On today's episode, we will be talking about new releases from Steve Earle and Neil Young. Separate releases, not the same album. Although, wouldn't that be a pretty good album? Steve Earle and Neil Young teaming up? Maybe there's something there, and if it ever happens, I want a cut of it, because it was my idea. We'll also be talking about the movie Young Sherlock Holmes. You heard me. All that, and whatever else, as usual. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking, You Lucky Duck. Checkmates, how you doing? It's your old Uncle Derek coming to you on a surprisingly chilly night for spring in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Hope you're doing well. I'm doing as good as can be expected, I guess, in the middle of a lot of frustrations. Uh, Some of which I'm going to vent about to you here, probably. Uh, at least I think I'm going to. It's There's things written down on my little list in front of me that I want to complain about. So you'll probably hear about some of those. Uh, I am uh, drinking. That's it. I'm just, I'm drinking. It doesn't matter what, does it? Uh, I uh, Kettle One. I got a little bit of Kettle One here in front of me, which is... Uh, Vodka is maybe not the best thing to drink when you've got problems, uh, but it is what is in the house, and I needed a drink at the end of a tough day. Uh, So that's what's in my glass. Um, Yeah, that's what we're doing. It's, uh, it's It's been a week. I wasn't with you last week. I was dealing with plumbers and other things last week, and... I'm going to be dealing with plumbers and other things for quite some time. I uh, shouldn't be doing this episode. I should be cleaning or organizing or something. Uh, I am a little bit surprised at myself that I'm putting off the inevitable by doing this. It's uh, irresponsible of me, and frankly, I should be ashamed of myself. But here we are. I'm talking to you. Because if I don't do this episode, I just have a sinking feeling that I'm going to end up not doing an episode for like a month or something because of all the people that have been in and out of my house. I've had plumbers in and out of my house. I've had uh, both stacks ripped out of the house. They were cast iron stacks that have been in the house for, uh, I think the house is about 60 years old, and they're the ones that came with it. So uh, that got ripped out and replaced with different piping. Uh, what do, what do you call that? The plasticky stuff, the white plastic, the, uh, 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 one of you is screaming the word at your listening device right now. I can't remember what you call it. It's that plastic that everybody uses for plumbing now. That stuff, I, I keep wanting to say polyester, but that's not it. It's, uh, that's, that's in my house now. That's my stacks. Uh, I have one working toilet currently because they had to rip out drywall and it didn't make sense to hook that toilet back up until the drywall behind it was reinstalled. I have a contractor who is doing a very poor job of getting it scheduled to put that drywall in so that I can have that toilet working. I have a uh, secondary bathroom that has a working toilet that is uh, leaking at the back of the tank, which is nice, which is uh, part of the reason that the floor in there has to be ripped out by the same contractor who is doing a poor job of scheduling the drywall replacement. Uh, So I'm going to have a floor ripped out and put in. 
And I'm going to have uh, probably other stuff happen in that bathroom, because, you know, a contractor gets into a room, they start ripping stuff up and decide that they're going to rip out everything, and I, I just, I have a sinking suspicion that things, that bathroom's going down to the studs. I just, I, 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 I feel like that's what's going to happen, which I'm not prepared for. I don't know uh, what I, I'm going to put in there. I don't know what needs to go in there. Uh, I will need a toilet and a sink in there. The toilet and the sink are old. The toilet needs to be replaced. It's leaking out of the back of the tank, as I said. Uh, the sink is also in bad shape. It's, again, the stuff that came with the house, so that, that needs to be replaced. Uh, I have not heard from the contractor consistently enough to the point that I have never gone shopping to select a toilet and a sink. I'll be completely honest with you, if I get a white toilet and a white sink and it's in there, I don't care what it looks like. It's, it just needs to be done. Uh, but I have a feeling that this project's gonna go on for a couple of weeks, which I'm very frustrated about and very stressed about, and probably once they do that, I won't have a working bathroom in the house. So, who knows what's gonna happen with that. I'll, uh, maybe, maybe I'll shit in the woods. Maybe I'll I'll do like the Pope and shit in the woods. Maybe that's that's what my answer is. Uh, uh, that's the old joke. The does the Pope shit in the woods? Does is 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 a bear a Catholic? You know that old sort of not not malaprop, but something like that. Uh, sorry, some of you are too young to know that joke. Many of you are so old that you are embarrassed that I made it. Those of you who are old are correct. Uh, it's been frustrating dealing with the contractor and stuff, because I don't like the contractor. He's not a very good guy, and, uh, his work is solid. He does good work. Don't like him. And, uh, I'm kind of stuck with him for a variety of reasons that we won't go into here, because it's, it's not everybody's business. What I've said up to this point really isn't your business, but it's just what's going on in my life, and it's my way of saying... There might not be a show next week. There might not be a show two weeks from now. I really don't know. Uh, your best bet is to subscribe somewhere on whatever you listen to your podcasts on, and when it pops up, that means there's a new episode. I don't know what's going to happen, because it seems like this is going to be a much more difficult process than it needs to be. It already has been. Uh, I've also had a city inspector in and out of my house to look at the work that the plumbers did that isn't finished, and the city inspector told me what needs to be done to be finished, and then they'll be back to look at it again, and it's just a nightmare. It's just a nightmare. I don't like having all these people in and out of my house in the middle of a pandemic when I have not been able to get vaccinated because I live in fucking Missouri, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, at the same time that my dad has been having his health problems that I talked about on the show a couple weeks ago. It's just bad. Everything's bad. And the things in my professional life are have been frustrating, too. I would be crazy to talk about that on the show. Um, nothing... Nobody, you know, freak out about that, but just, just some frustrations. Uh, you know, that happens. You work at a place, you get frustrated. That's just how life is. So that's that's been going on. Uh, I got a lot of... I got a lot of balls in the air, and I don't like any of them. I don't like any of my balls. Somebody sample that, turn it into your text tone for when I, when I call. Uh, anytime I text you, just, I don't like any of my balls. That's what comes out of your phone. Somebody do that. Somebody in my life, make that happen on your own time. Sample that and make that your your, uh, your text tone. 
It's going to be a weird one. <laughs> going to be a weird episode this time. We uh, have a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess, housekeeping or a little bit of uh, uh, the, you know, the Derek Brink death report, I guess, is kind of what it is here at the top of the show. We're, uh, we're going to bid farewell to a couple of people whose work I deeply respect, and uh, uh, that's always a bummer to do, but I, I would feel so much worse if I didn't mark this kind of thing. First off, the world recently lost George Seagal, or possibly uh, Siegel. Uh, it's probably Siegel. I've never heard him pronounce it, so I'm, I'm just guessing. Uh, this is, uh, as you're all familiar with, this is a show where I don't know how to pronounce anyone's name. So, uh, Seagal, Siegel, S-E-G-A-L, George Siegel. I'm going to say Siegel. I'm going with Siegel. I'm wedding myself to Siegel. George Siegel. Uh, an actor, a banjo player, a, an accomplished banjo player. A lot of people don't actually know that about, about him. Possibly best known for his role as uh, Jack on uh, Just Shoot Me, which was a vehicle for David Spade, largely. And uh, uh, also the uh, lady on the show, whose name I've forgotten, who was the main character and I can see her, but I don't know her name. Sorry, main character. You were good on the show. I just, uh, uh, I'm bad at, 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 at names, as there is almost a hundred episodes to prove of this show. I'm terrible at names. Uh, but uh, it, it, was a, it was a good show for its time. It's very much of its time. It's not something you could make now, certainly. It would be considered offensive by, you know, millennial jerks now. Um <laughs> Which, uh, millennial jerks aren't much younger or, or much more different than my kind of jerk. I'm a Gen X jerk, but I'm just barely Gen X. Uh, I was actually born in a year. I have a millennial friend who, uh, which is not her sole ident identity, but I don't know if she wants me mentioning her name on my stupid show. I have a friend who, uh, is a millennial who one day I was in a conversation with her and she asked me what year I was born and I told her, she said, so you're right on the... You're right on the bubble there, then. So what do you consider yourself, Gen X or Millennial? And I said, I don't care. And she said, all right, Gen X then. So since that time, I've, I'm, I'm Gen X. I, I'm owning that. But uh, the, Just Shoot Me is what I was talking about. I think the Kettle One's already kicking in. Uh, I, uh, I, I liked that show. I appreciated it at the time. You could not make it now. It would not work now. It would be very offensive now. But it was a fun show, and I really liked uh, George uh, Siegel on it. He has done a ton of different projects. He's been in just shy of everything. If you don't know who I'm talking about, you still do. You've seen him in something. I, I just always liked when the guy popped up in something, especially if I didn't know he was in it, because he'd be there and he'd be great, and he had a million-dollar smile, and sometimes he'd play the banjo, and uh, I just I just liked him a lot. It's uh, He kind of sat right in the weird part of the Venn diagram of entertainment that hosts, like, only me and probably Brian Posehn, who was also on Just Shoot Me. Uh, it's, he, he was just in the Venn diagram, like, at the point where all the intersections land on me, and I, uh, I liked him a lot. I was very sad to hear that he's left us, and uh, rest in peace, George Siegel. Uh, also, the world lost in this past week, the great Beverly Cleary. Uh, or Clary, depending on who you talk to. I've always said Cleary. I think that's correct. But uh, again, bad at names. Uh, it's a name that I've known since I was a child. Don't know how to say it. Uh, she, uh, of course, was an author of the Ramona and Beezus books, which there was even a movie made about fairly recently. Uh, and the Henry Huggins, like Henry and Rebsey books. That was her. 
and uh, uh, often mixed up for Judy Bloom, who was uh, Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing and Super Fudge. Uh, the, different authors, two different people. That's something you uh, you can you can take away with you from the show because you've probably got them a little bit crossed over in your head. I certainly do because I started with uh, uh, Beverly Cleary and then moved over to Judy Bloom, whose name I do know how to pronounce. So yay, Derek. Uh, Beverly Cleary was one of the first authors that people my age, plus or minus 30 years, were really exposed to, I think, and certainly one of the first authors that I really fell in love with as a young reader, and uh, I remember there was always a shortage of the Ramona and Beezus books in the library at, at the elementary school where I grew up, and everybody just wanted to read those, and then everybody also wanted to read the Judy Bloom stuff. And uh, She was one of those authors who her early books, uh, not even her early books, that's the wrong way to say it, but her books, I think what I'm trying to say is her books appealed to the early readers, is I think the sentence that was forming in my head that came out wrong. Uh, she was uh, just one of those authors that kids were drawn to that, again, just one of the first authors that you really fell in love with. And from there, you moved on to Judy Bloom, or you moved on to Encyclopedia Brown, or you moved on to uh, uh, maybe the Babysitter's Club, or or uh, you got a little older and got into Douglas Adams, or, or whatever. You know, maybe Choose Your Own Adventure books were your thing. They were kind of my thing. Uh, but, like, it all started because... Uh, a little boy adopted a stray dog, you know, and that's uh, that's kind of beautiful. And she definitely wrote the books that I fell in love with first. She definitely is responsible for a love of reading that I have carried now into my 40s. I deeply respected her and deeply loved her books. Uh, in recent years, I've thought about her a lot, and I've thought, boy, I wish I would have kept my copy of, you know, the Ramona and Beezus stuff, or the, or the Henry and Ribsy stuff. Risby? Uh, the Henry and Ribsy stuff. I wish I'd have kept my copies of that. And I've thought about that a few times in the past year, year or two, and I've thought about going to Amazon or going to Barnes & Noble or going to, ideally, an independent shop if possible, but that's hard to do right now. I've thought about going and, and just getting those books just to have them, not to necessarily read them, but just to have them as part of my personal sort of history. And uh, I haven't done that, and I'm sure in the past week everybody has done that, so it's uh, probably impossible to get a copy right now. But that's that's something that probably needs to happen in my life. I probably need to get some of her books, and some of the Judy Bloom books, and some of the Choose Your Own Adventure books, and uh, uh, and the Encyclopedia Brown story where uh, a couple of kids cheated on a test, and the smart kid in uh, class uh, uh, wrote all of the answers to his tests. Uh, to his test that day in uh, one word answers and all of the answers were palindromes because the two kids who cheated had names that were palindromes and he was trying to clue in the teacher as to who cheated uh, and Encyclopedia Brown solved the mystery by figuring that out. Uh, that's a story that's stuck with me since I was a child uh, and it's somehow convinced me not to cheat on tests even though my name is not a palindrome, I was sure somebody would find a way to indicate Derek, you know? Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I do, in my heart of hearts, I'm talking, of course, about the smaller heart that is inside of my larger heart, I, in there, want to go back and get some of those books that I fell in love with as a child because it's, it's just kind of important sort of benchmarks of who I am as a person. 
Beverly Cleary is one of those people that was responsible for those benchmarks, and I was very sad to hear that she passed away. I don't know what I would have read without her. So rest in peace to George and Beverly, and we're going to move on into a different segment that's a lot more happy. How about that? talk about some music here super friends i don't know why i called you super friends i uh you're checkmates you're not super friends i'm not uh uh, the late stan lee i'm the never on time Derek. uh please don't start calling me that just call me Derek or uncle Derek. i like it when you call me uncle Derek. it feels friendly and homey and nice uh we got music that i want to talk about I bought some stuff, and I've been very eager to talk about one of the releases since I got it, and I just didn't do a show last week, and I'm mad at myself. And uh, the other release I'm uh, uh, also eager to talk about, but not as much. I already kind of reviewed it when I reviewed something else earlier in the year. Uh, Why don't I start talking about the things that I have in my hands rather than just tiptoeing around them? I want to talk about the new album from Steve Earle and the Dukes. Uh, called JT. It's uh, it's a beautiful album. What it is, is uh, Steve Earle, one of the last great outlaws. Uh, there's no argument about that. He is one of the last great outlaws. We don't have anybody coming up in his footsteps anymore who will ever take that mantle the way they should. For a while, some of us thought it was going to be Sturgill, but it's not Sturgill. Sorry, it's not. It's maybe kind of Jason Isbell, but he leans a little bit more into rock. Steve Earle might be the last great outlaw. He uh, had a son named Justin Towns Earle who should have had that mantle, who sadly last year passed away after a after a drug overdose. Uh, I don't remember if I talked about that at the time on the show. If I didn't, then shame on me. But Justin Towns Earl wrote great music, just like his dad, and uh, uh, it was a it was a it was a real blow to hear that he had gone and that he had gone that way. It got sadder in the weeks that followed, reading what Steve Earl had to say about his son, because first of all, just God forbid that any parent outlives their child. I can't. I'm not a parent, and there are reasons I'm not a parent, but uh, there's, uh, uh, I, I still can, just from being a son, I can see why a parent doesn't want to outlive their child. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking to think about that. But uh, reading what he had to say about particularly the last conversation that he had with uh, Justin, or JT as he called him, uh, it's, it's genuinely heartbreaking. There's articles out there where Steve was talking and said, yeah, the last conversation we had, we talked a little bit about his problems, and one of the last things I said to him was, you know, JT, don't make me bury you. And he said, I won't. And then he died that night. Pregnant pause to let you process that, because that's weighty. That's that's heavy, and that's what Steve Earle has had to deal with. He also 
mentioned in interviews and also on the album that I'm holding in my hands that uh, the last words that he said to his son were, I love you, and the last words his son said to him were, I love you too. Uh, there's, there's a pretty good goal for a lot of us to set. Um, yeah. Uh, this, uh, this album, JT, Steve does 10 songs that were written by Justin Towns Earl. He does 10 of his son's songs and does them justice. Does, it does a great job with them. They sound wonderful. It's a fun album right up until it isn't because the final song is a song that Steve wrote for Justin, and it's called Last Words, and it's about the last words they ever shared together. And uh, that's heartbreaking. Have some whiskey on standby if you're able, because it's, uh, it's a devastating listen at that point. Steve, in interviews, has said that it's the only song that he's ever written where every word is true, and uh, I don't doubt that. Um, it's a hard one to listen to, that song. There are, there are parts of the album that are hard to listen to because every now and again it just sort of hits you that this is a dad singing his son's song and, and his, his son's gone. And that's, that's hard to listen to anyway. But you get to the last song and uh, if you had been holding out up until that point, then, you know, you're, you're going to lose it on the last song. It's, uh, it's really a beautiful tribute to his son, to Justin Towns Earl. Uh, Justin Towns Earl, incidentally, best uh, cover of Can't Hardly Wait that I've ever heard by The Replacements. A lot of people have covered that, but Justin did it justice, and, you know, one of the guys who you can tell really understood the lyric, you know? Um, but Steve, in a similar way, does justice by his son's music on, on JT. Uh a fact about it that I think you should know before you go to Spotify and stream it is that profits from the album that would go to Steve are actually being put into a fund that is a trust for Justin Towns Earl's daughter. Uh, Steve is giving up his artist share on this, so please don't go to Spotify or to any of the other streaming services where they screw the artist out of every penny they possibly can. Please buy it at least buy the mp3s. If you can, buy it in physical form. Buy it for as much money as you can buy it for. Don't look for a sale. Look for the vinyl, and look for the vinyl at the highest price that you can find it, because that little girl needs to grow up well. Um, it's a beautiful record. I normally... When we get down to my top 10 list for the years, I'll look at albums and think, well, I like that album, but it's a covers record. It's not going on my top 10 because it's a covers record. Only original new material goes on my top 10 list. This one's going to be on my top 10 list. I'm going to break my rules. This one is going on because with everything I just said about it, it has to. This should be on everyone's top 10 list for the year just on principle alone, even if it wasn't good on principle, it should be on everybody's top 10 list. The benefit is it's also good. It also sounds really good. Justin Towns Earl wrote great songs. Steve Earl did a great job interpreting them. And surrounding all of it, it, uh, it gives us all a lot to think about, both fathers and sons. And speaking as a son, it's, uh, one of those things that sort of 
can make you wish you had your shit together a little bit better, if only for your dad's sake. And um, that's that's maybe what I take away from listening to it. I have no idea what the parents out there who listen to it will take away from it, but uh, I I imagine it could be life-changing. Pick up a copy of Steve Earle and the Duke's JT as soon as you can. Pay for it. At least the MP3s. Buy, buy the MP3s. Don't stream it. Pay for it. And as I said, please pay as much as you can for it. Buy it multiple times. Give it as a gift. Make sure Justin's daughter grows up okay. It's a good album. It's a real good album. Another good album, in a very different way, is the other one I want to talk to today. Clunky transitions aside. Uh, did I say talk to? I don't want to talk to the album. That's a stupid thing to do. The album can't talk back. Neither can you, really. I guess you can email me. But, whatever. Uh, the other album I want to talk about is the new one that Neil Young put out, which it's unfair to call it the new one, because it's an old concert. It's called Young Shakespeare. It's a live album. It's uh, Neil Young just solo by himself, Neil and, a, and an acoustic guitar, which is my favorite version of Neil Young. And it's an old live show that he did at the Shakespeare Theater. And uh, it's from the time period, like right before Harvest came out. So there's a lot of songs from Harvest on here. And a couple of them aren't quite in the finished form yet. Like for a while, he kind of combined Man Needs a Maid and Heart of Gold into a medley situation. I think in his head it was going to be that way on the record, just because I've heard him do that in a couple of live settings. Uh, but obviously the final product has them as separate songs, which was the right way to go. But uh, uh, yeah, some of the songs are in, in rough, different formats with some different lyrics than maybe you're used to. Uh, but it's it's really an interesting sort of snapshot of his career, right before Harvest, right before things got great, because that's my favorite Neil Young album. Uh, it's a lot of people's favorite Neil Young album, and I'm not alone on that. Right before that, he did this show, and it was one of those shows where Neil Young, at least at the time, could get away with doing almost entirely new material to a crowd. People can't do that now. People walk out of those shows. But Neil Young did it, and he did it a lot, and people always responded well, and he played a whole lot of stuff that wasn't actually out yet at this show, and people responded well. It was, uh, it was a very good show. It was an interesting listen. Like I said, it's my favorite version of Neil Young, just a guy with his guitar. That's always good news to me, and uh, I really enjoyed listening to it. If you're a Neil Young fan or if you're a Neil Young novice, not uh, not a bad album to dig into of the two that have come out this year. He also had, uh, what, Way Down in the Rust Bucket earlier in the year. I talked about that on the show, and I think at that time I even said that people who aren't that familiar with Neil Young will probably want to pick up Young Shakespeare rather than Rust Bucket. And uh, I stand by that now that the other one's out. Uh, uh, Young Shakespeare, good album. It's It's what I like about Neil Young, and he did it <laughs> that night and put it out. It's uh, It's got a couple interesting takes, a couple interesting ideas on it. There's a couple of, a couple of song introductions that I really enjoyed hearing and kind of kind of hearing what was in his headspace at the time before he put out Harvest. And uh, it's just a really interesting listen and a good listen. And I liked it a lot. And I think if you 
uh, are glancingly familiar with that era of Neil Young's career, you'll probably like it too. So check out Young Shakespeare if you're of a mind to do that. One of my favorite things that I do on this show is occasionally I talk about dumb stuff that everybody hates except for me, and this is one of those, although I don't think it's so much that people hate this as much as it is that people haven't seen it, because it uh, came out in 1985, and at that time was kind of a box office failure. I mean, it made its money back, but like, that's it. And that's not one of the movies that goes down in history. It's uh, actually a Steven Spielberg produced movie. I want to talk to you and just like yell at you for a while about young Sherlock Holmes. There's uh, a small cult of us, which is a interesting word to use for it, given the content of the movie. More on that as I come to it. There's a cult of us who loves this movie and remembers it as a treasured part of our childhood. And I am in that cult. But many more of you have... Never seen it, despite Steven Spielberg's name being on it as producer, despite the fact that it was directed by uh, Chris Columbus, who went on to direct the first couple of Harry Potter movies. Even in spite of all those things, you probably haven't seen it because it just didn't do very well. Part of that is probably because there wasn't really a big name in any of the roles, all of the uh, main characters are young people who were kinda in their first or at least very early projects, and none of the adults are people whose names sort of jump off the page at you. Uh, maybe some of them are bigger names in in England now. In in the U.S., there's you've never heard of any of these people, but uh, uh, that's not to say that it's that they're bad. They're all very good at what they did. But it it didn't. It was 1985. The 80s were like big for movies, and there just wasn't one of the box office draw names in this movie. So I think that's kind of what happened to it. Is they were counting on Steven Spielberg's name to be enough, and it was not as it turned out. But young Sherlock Holmes, it's exactly what you think it is. It's Sherlock Holmes as a young man solving a, a, a mystery with a, a young man playing Watson and a young lady playing a character who is uh, not normally in the uh, Holmesian genre. Uh, she's new to the plot. Uh, Chris Columbus described it as him wanting to because uh, he wrote it, as I said, he described it as him wanting to sort of fill in the gaps about how Holmes became the person that he he became. He wanted to kind of kind of explain through the movie, you know, by inference more than anything else. You'd have to infer some things. Implication on his part, in, inference on your part. Other people imply. You infer. That's something to remember when you're using those words. Uh, but he wanted to explain a little bit by your own inference after the movie, why Holmes eventually became a very emotionless, very calculating character, and why he was alone 
for his whole life. Like, what led to that? How did he get there? And that's kind of what he wanted to tell, sort of the long-term storytelling of this movie. Which is interesting enough of uh, on its own, but he also told a really interesting, really fun, really impossibly stupid uh, <laughs> mystery. Because the, the thing of it is that there are people around town who are getting struck by these thorns that are coming out of blowguns, and the thorns are making them hallucinate, and then they're essentially killing themselves to try to deal with the hallucinations, not out of, like, lengthy, I've got to stop this, I've got to stop this hallucination. Like, they don't know they're hallucinating. Like, one guy hallucinates that he's got, like, a bat in his jacket, and it's it's kind of, like, attacking him and whatnot, and he grabs a knife and stabs himself in the heart trying to kill the bat. That kind of thing. These people are essentially killing themselves after experiencing a, a, a toxin-induced hallucination. And what's going on there? And why does it seem to involve people that are sort of within Holmes's circle, who is away at boarding school at the time? Wait a second. Young English students away at school dealing with a mystery. And it turns out that that mystery is being fronted by one guy who seems to be the master of evil who is obsessed with death and seems impervious to it. And the kids, who are our heroes, two boys and a girl, are not believed by some of the teachers, but they also have strong allies. Another student who's a young, apparently Aryan kid who is... Not really the main villain, but for a while you think he's going to be, but he ultimately ends up just kind of inconsequential. And then Chris Columbus went on to direct the Harry Potter movies. Have I... Have I stumbled onto something here? I might have stumbled onto something here. Huh. There's also an Egyptian-themed cult committing ritual sacrifices of young women. It's awesome! Well, it's not awesome. It's entertaining. Ritual sacrifices of young women is... not awesome. But that's what they're doing, and it's entertaining as hell, and Sherlock Holmes's girlfriend in the movie is, uh, at one point abducted by the cult, and they're, 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 they're gonna sacrifice her. It's, uh... It's, 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 it's fun. Uh, I think I saw this movie in theaters, even though I was five years old at the time. Uh, my mother, in a uh, display of poor parenting, there's no other way to say that, thought it would be fine for me to see Young Sherlock Holmes, which has a lot of intense and disturbing imagery, even watching it back now, because I watched it this week, because I finally found it on DVD and was like, yes, I want to watch that, because it made a big impression on me as a kid. My mother thought it was fine for me to see that, and uh, it's haunted my dreams ever since. There are things from that movie that stick with me, like in my head constantly. Anytime I see something weird, I briefly think, all right, is that happening, or did I get like shot by a blow dart? And like I just think it's happening, and I'm, I'm hallucinating. Like I, I just I check myself because of this movie. Uh, also, this movie, uh, the young lady in the movie 
who was played by a woman, uh, well, now a woman, named Sophie Ward. Uh, quite probably my first movie crush as a young man. Probably, quite probably the first uh, TV, no, not TV, but movie uh, girl that I thought was pretty and who I liked. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I like the girl in the young Sherlock Holmes movie. Uh, I'm the only person that ever said that, but uh, because I'm the only person that ever thought that, not that she's not, you know, beautiful, but just that, like, I'm the person that saw the movie. You know what I mean? Uh, but she, uh, uh, probably my first crush as a kid on, like, a TV girl. Uh, not a TV girl, a movie girl. I don't know why I keep saying TV. Uh, Sophie Ward is her name. She, uh, now is an, uh, an author. She kept acting. She's got a lot of acting roles. I looked up everybody in this movie, by the way. Uh, but I just kind of thought, oh, I remember her and I remember kind of like five-year-old being in love with her. <laughs> uh, whatever that means. You don't know what that means when you're five, but it's, it's happening. And, uh, so I just kind of was like, well, what happened to her and what happened to the guy that played Sherlock and what happened to the guy that played Watson? Uh, she is, uh, she went on acting, they all went on acting, but she also wrote a book that's called Love and Other Thought Experiments, and because she was the first crush of my life, I ordered the book, and the book's probably <laughs> gonna be here soon, that's so sad. <laughs> I'm not proud of that, but I'm telling you about it, so that's fine. It's not creepy, I don't imagine any kind of relationship with her, I just thought that like, oh, she's an author now, and I read all the time, and people are saying really nice things about her book, called, again, Love and Other Thought Experiments, and uh, uh, I, I, I kind of want to read that, and just, it, it actually sounds really good. So that's gonna be in the house soon, and I'll read that. Uh, when I get to it, it might not be right away, sometimes a, bo a book sits for a while before I crack it open. But uh, uh, I was thinking about her because I watched the movie. I actually placed the order while I was watching the movie. So that's that. I, I feel like that makes it feel less creepy, less, you know, whatever. I, 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 and I'm talking about it publicly and not to her. I'm not sending her messages on I don't know, Twitter or whatever. I don't know if she has a Twitter. I, I, I've done nothing to track her down. I just found out that she had a book. Why do I even feel like I need to defend this? I, an actress that I liked when I was a kid wrote a book and I bought the book. I'll probably read it at some point. That's really the end of the thought, but I spent all that time talking about how she was probably my first crush as a child. I, I don't know what she's like now. I don't know her personal life. I don't know what she looks like even now. I imagine like she looked in 1985, just taller. Uh, that's my guess. Probably better hair. It was 80s hair, you know. They were in Victorian England, but it was 80s hair. Uh, but, uh, you know, whatever. I had a crush on a girl when I was five, and when I grew up, I found out she wrote a book, and I bought the book because I wanted to read the book, not because I want to do any sort of thing with her. This is a bad episode of the show. I, I do not come off well in this show. I'm so sorry. Sophie Ward, if you ever somehow hear this, I'm so sorry. You just seem nice, and I wanted to read your book. That's all this is, I swear to God. I, I'm, 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 I'm a good guy, I, I promise. Uh, it says every guy who's not a good guy. Uh, uh, young Sherlock Holmes, a movie from my childhood that I really liked as a child that I hadn't seen since I was 
probably a child or maybe in the early days of cable, like probably my teen years, maybe early 20s, I might have seen parts of it again, but I know that I haven't seen it front to back since I was a child, and I did recently, and I enjoyed it a lot, and it I think it holds up really well. A piece of trivia that I found on it is it has the first fully uh, computer-rendered, or I guess maybe it wasn't computer-rendered, but it was painted on the cell, the first fully, like, not-present sort of uh, uh, special effect character. There's a uh, a knight that comes out of stained glass and, and kind of harasses a priest as part of the priest's hallucination, and uh, that knight was a, uh, uh, a, a character that was put in after the fact. Like, the the guy on the screen just had to act to nothing. And that was the first time they did that, and it looked fine. I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't look as great as, like, the characters that are in the Lord of the Rings movies, but it looks fine for what it is. It's 1985, and the fact that they did it at all was kind of a miracle. So, like, that's first time that happened. You'd think it'd be a better-known movie just from that, but instead, you've got to deal with guys like me who saw it and you didn't see it, but you're listening to me talk about it because I like stuff like that and it it holds a special place in my heart because it's one of the one of the first movies that, like, as a kid, I felt like was my movie and I thought about a lot as a kid and I wanted to play young Sherlock Holmes and like, I started reading the Sherlock Holmes mysteries, or at least, like, the versions that they give to kids in the scholastic books and stuff. I started reading those because I liked that movie. And, like, the fact that I still like Sherlock Holmes and I watched the Sherlock series with, uh, uh, Billabong Thrifty Patch, uh, I, the, the, I owe all of that to the fact that I saw young Sherlock Holmes when I was a kid. So, questionable parenting decision on Mom's part, but it worked out. I ended up being a Sherlock Holmes fan as a result of seeing that movie. And that's that's maybe the biggest compliment you can pay something like this is that it mattered later in life and it made you it made you love something. And that's that's kind of what this movie did for me. And it also made me buy a book by somebody who I haven't actively really thought about in 30 years, but who I'm sure is has done wonderful work on TV in England, you know. But uh, I'm looking forward to reading her book when once it gets here. But it's uh, that movie's just kind of got a special place in my heart. And if you get a chance to watch it, I think it's streaming on a couple of things. Then maybe maybe just fill out an hour and a half of your life with that. It's 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 a fun ride. It's it's energetic. It's goofy in places. It's uh, it's 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 fun. It's entertaining. It's gripping. It's moving in places. It's uh, it's got some good action and some good mystery to it. Uh, I, I don't know. I just really like that movie, and uh, I wanted to talk about it. And I have a show, and you don't. Or if you do, that you're not listening to it now. You're listening to me, and uh, uh, so I talked about Young Sherlock Holmes for a long time. That's uh, that's what this segment was. See by the look in your eye, you think you'll never 
same again. Okay, we are at the end of the show, I think. I've 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 said about as much as I have to say, anyway. Maybe you have stuff to say. One thing I didn't say that I realized partway through one of the segments is I didn't say at the start of the show that there are websites and stuff that you should check out. So I'm going to do that now rather than edit it in because I'm sloppy in that way. And I would like to think that's part of what you love about me is that I'm sloppy. Uh, it's going on my business cards. Derek Brink, I'm sloppy. Uh, that's That's probably the most truth you would ever get out of out of a business card from me. Uh, anyway, there are websites you can check out related to the podcast. If you like the show, you can uh, uh, go to the companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. There are pictures and stuff there. There's also a player where you can listen to the show while you scroll through pictures and read other stuff. It's also your home base for the show that you can... Uh, sometimes I'll put up posts between episodes or explain any delays or anything there, so... Uh, keep emptychecking.blogspot.com in your head. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. If you like me for some reason and you want to know more about me, go on over to derekbrink.com and there's plenty of stuff to click on there. It's mostly about my music career. And if you like the show and you like the music that you hear on the show, see, this is why I should do this up front. I'm flailing at it now. I, I feel like I forgot part probably something about how it's also on other podcast apps that you're probably listening to it on don't think i said that part but uh uh the music if you like the music that's on the show this is a train wreck if you like the music that's on the show it's all stuff that i wrote and this whole show's kind of a low-key commercial for that uh all of my music is available for absolutely free over at derekbrink.bandcamp.com all you do is enter zero as your purchase price and you can take it you can have it i don't collect your email address. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. So folks, uh, this episode is kind of a... I, I, I'm going to end a little bit differently than usual. Uh, not, not terribly differently, not unprecedentedly differently. In fact, I'm sure I've even mentioned this on, on the show before. Uh, I'm recording this episode on April the 1st. I don't know if it will go up on April the 1st or April 2nd. It kind of depends on how things go. Uh, April the 1st, along with being April Fool's Day, is a sad day in my own personal history, and it's uh, one that I would just as soon skip this day every year, to be honest with you. Uh, Seven years ago today, I had a cousin that I thought a lot about who uh, took his own life, and that has haunted me for these past seven years. And I wanted to say to anybody out there who listens to the show that if you're struggling, you do not struggle alone. Please never feel like you struggle alone. Please do not consider suicide as an option. There are resources out there. If you have someone that you can talk to about it, then please talk to that person. If you don't, then there are people out there who you can speak to anonymously, who you can just speak to about your problems. One of those resources is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that is at uh, 1-800-273-8255. Again, 1-800-273-8255. You can also chat with them at their website, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. 
and uh, there's another sort of, I think, semi-related group that you can text uh, the word HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741 and get in touch with the crisis counselor that way if you need to talk to somebody but you don't want to maybe call. Uh, you can do that by text. Uh, there are other resources as well. Uh, the, the uh, what is it, uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness has a website, nami.org, that uh, uh, has a lot of similar resources on it, similar, basically just the same stuff, just a different option. If you are uh, LGBTQ and you're a young person under the age of 25, uh, thetrevorproject.org is a resource that specifically works to help young LGBTQ people who are struggling and who need someone to talk to and who are suicidal. Uh, please reach out if you need to reach out. Uh, please don't please don't hurt people that you don't know that how badly you're hurting them by doing something that you can't take back. Please get help if you need help. In line with that, folks, please remember to wear a mask. Please remember to social distance. Please get the vaccine when you are eligible. Please remember that Black Lives Matter. Please remember that trans rights are human rights. And be good to each other. Be good to yourself. Forgive each other and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. The game is afoot.